Hello and welcome to another episode of the Curbside Chat. That's the video podcast series when we talk about the important topics of the automotive aftermarket with the people who make it happen. I am joined once again uh, by our AI chairman, Jason Yurkchak, who's going to be the host for uh, today's episode. But uh, before I bring in uh, Jason to introduce uh, today's guest, I'd like to uh, take this opportunity to once again thank our sponsors of this uh, third season of the uh, Curbside Chat. Thank you again for your continued contribution. Without your generosity, this season would not be possible. So without further ado, uh, let's bring uh, Jason to introduce uh, today's uh, guest. Uh, good afternoon, Jason. Hello, JF. It's been it's great to be back for I guess my final episode as uh, AIA chairman. Been a great experience. That's great, yeah. So um, hello, everyone. I'd like to introduce our guest today, uh, Safula Sadeh. Uh, Safula is Professor of Automotive Technology at uh, St. Lawrence College in Cornwall, Ontario. And today we're going to chat about the joint initiative between uh, AIA Canada and St. Lawrence College's uh, Innovation in Automotive Training, which is a uh, program of the Skills Development Fund. Uh, hi, Safula. Uh, welcome to Curbside Chat. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. And so let's jump right into it. So I know that you're also a shop owner. So can you share your experience as a shop owner and a professor of automotive technology? Yeah. So I started at the age of about 16. I went through the OEA program and became a licensed technician. When I became a licensed technician, worked in uh, various different shops. From then on, I uh, opened up my own shop. When I opened my own shop, uh, St. Lawrence College actually grabbed me and said, uh, did you want to teach uh, some EV stuff? Because my shop, we uh, specialize in electric vehicles and hybrids. So I got pulled into that and I said, sure, why not try it out? So I got pulled into it and uh, so far I love it. That's where I am. That's great. So there's a shortage of labor in our industry. Um, what would you suggest for resolving the shortage? So resolving the shortage for the automotive industry, I think the best approach would be to take people that are in different industries and want to change and kind of build them up from there. So we'll take people uh, that are completely green and to train them from bottom up. I get a lot of calls from a lot of shop owners, dealerships telling me, do you have anybody? I say, there's nobody that's qualified right now, but I have people that have the ambition have the drive that if you molded them yourself, you would make a pretty good technician out of them. So I think if we, how we have the program right now, which is the career exploration program, where we take people from different industries and they want to do a career change, we take people from there and we just kind of mold them into the technician we want them to be, or as per which shop it is, right? So if you're like a front-end shop or an EV shop, you train them as per what you're working on. So I think that's the best approach to take people uh, even from high schools as well. And, you know, it kind of ignite this feeling of wanting to be a technician because today it's not just tires, oil changes, all that. It's a lot of very advanced technology. And we need those people in the high schools that are great at physics. They're great at sciences. We need those people. So I think that would be a, a really good way to uh, uh, address the shortage get at different avenues 
Safe. So if, if I might jump in here, uh, I, I'm curious, but you know, it's not just about, I guess, automotive. It's to find the people who have interest in skills and want to apply those in skilled trade. From your perspective, um, we could reach out outside as just traditional automotive and, and find in other areas people to have that passion and that capacity to uh, to apply themselves in, in automotive, I guess. Yep. Yeah. So uh, even uh, an aerospace engineer. In one of our career exploration programs, we had an aerospace engineer, so he knows uh, lasers, uh, he knew radars, ultrasonic sensors. He could take all those skills that he has and all that knowledge, and, and it's transferable. Uh, we had another one, a NATO bomb diffuser for 22 years. He would go around defuse bombs for NATO, and he knew how relays worked, how, wire, how to wire something in series, in parallel, which was amazing. So that is a transferable, uh, transferable skill. That's great. And I guess you're very careful with wiring coming from that profession. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so as a professor, how do you think we're doing at uh, training the next generation? Uh, to be blunt, I don't think we're doing enough. I think we need to start uh, amping it up. Uh, we need to start looking at advancing uh, the curriculum. The curriculum is really old. We're still dealing with things which uh, an example would be the blower motor circuits. They used to be a little resistor. Now they're a PWM module, right? Pulse width modulated. Uh, that's just one small uh, aspect of it. Uh, if I go even more complicated, we don't have things that cover in the curriculum in depth, like controller area networking, LIN communication lines. These are just some of the things that are a challenge for today's vehicles for technicians to diagnose and repair. So what we need to do, in my honest opinion, would be that we need to set up a, uh, a kind of committee that looks at modernizing the automotive field. And another thing is that if we set up that kind of committee, speed, that should be a priority. So I'll give you an example. If we implement something, we can't wait three years if we come up with an idea, we can't wait three years to implement that idea because then we're behind again. So we need to establish some sort of committee to say, this is how we're going to keep modernizing the automotive uh, industry, the repair. So we need to take more of a business approach to it than a government approach. Yeah, correct. That's it. <laughs> and I'll add to that, this is our, our, our compounded challenge is whereas other skilled trade might not evolve as fast as our sector, automotive is, is transforming itself so fast that we need to stay on top so the training remains relevant, right? That is correct. Yeah, for sure. We are seeing changes where a piece, uh, a wire in a terminal could be one, you know, two months ago could be that wire has three volts. Now the engineer has changed it where you have a whole di different diagnostic strategy. It's not three volts, it's uh, 12 volts now. So now the technician has to uh, kind of gear his or her mind around to, okay, what are we going to do here? Now I have three. Uh, it's th It was three before. Now it's 12. How am I going to assess uh, different testing, different pinouts, et cetera? Well, that's very interesting. And I'm glad I stayed on the part side of the business. So, <laughs> so let's talk about the skills development fund. So what do you teach and what, what are the, what's the feedback on the program? So the Skills Development Fund, we have two programs. We have a EV upskill program, 
which takes licensed techs and advanced apprentices, and we train them on electric vehicle diagnostics and repair. So we'll take someone that has about 30 years experience and we'll say, this is an electric vehicle. Let's start from the ground and basically work our way up and kind of make you an expert on that electric vehicle. Uh, the biggest thing is to make them comfortable because in eight modules, we cannot make you a complete expert on it, but we will try to get you there where we get you excited into EV and get you comfortable. So when that EV rolls into your shop, you're not just like, whoa, what is this thing? And how am I going to diagnose it? How am I going to repair it? You're going to have a really good, solid understanding of what this vehicle is, how to not injure yourself, and how to do some diagnostics and repair on this vehicle. The other program uh, within the SDF, uh, Skills Development Fund, is a career exploration program. We take people from all walks of life. Like I said earlier, the aerospace engineer, the bomb diffuser technician, uh, a, a person that has a master's in biology and is thinking to become a... Uh, a mechanic, right, or anything in the automotive industry, we kind of spark the idea of, hey, do you want to be an automotive service technician or even a service manager, service writer? Uh, the subject matter in the career exploration would be customer service, introduction to ADAS, um, things of uh, uh, oil changes, maintenance, but we geared it mostly around electric vehicle. So that was the biggest thing that we do maintenance and everything around an electric vehicle introduction to automotive around an electric vehicle great so that directly does tie into you know the vehicles that are coming tomorrow so yeah and, today. and yep. today um so let's talk about the curriculum specifically um what are the future skills that you see coming down the road and are, what are the current gaps in the curriculum to get there the future skills that are required is a lot of programming so you're going to need to know uh, how certain computers are programmed, how they're going to react to certain uh, inputs, to certain outputs, when something goes wrong, uh, how are you going to diagnose it? So for us to know how a, how, how a computer is programmed, that is going to help us in diagnosing and repairing that vehicle. So that is, that, uh, is one of the main uh, skills that I think a technician is going to need down the line. Uh, calibration. ADAS calibration, that's huge. And how to do it properly. Because if you don't do it properly, you can cause some uh, serious injury or death can occur because a vehicle that just you know starts running off by itself, we all know what can happen there. Um, to kind of fix this uh, shortage of this, you know, the skill or to help develop the skill, uh, there would have to be some sort of government uh, updating program. So let's say you're a licensed technician. I recommend that we should be updating our skills every two years, to be honest, because things change that fast. So I would recommend to have some sort of government program in place where technicians go and they have to do a recertification for updated technology. So if, if I might step in here, so the uh, Skills Development Fund was a program of the, is a program of the Ontario government. Uh, and through that partnership with AI Canada and the college, you were able to help develop and, and deliver these, these programs. Um, at least, do you think it's part of that solution to try to make the, the trade more available to others, you know, attract new people to this industry? As you said earlier, you know, we, we have some challenges and, and we may not going to get there. But is that one of the programs that you think is one part of the solution? Oh, yes, for sure. I think the Skills Development, Development Fund is amazing. It's a great idea. 
uh, getting the technicians in there and uh, giving them some upskilling so they can get a bigger paycheck, right? Uh, bigger paycheck means better lives for their families. Same thing with the EVs, uh, the uh, career uh, exploration program, that one as well, where there are people that don't even have a job that have come to that. And seeing that where you have someone that didn't even have a job and then a couple of weeks later, they are standing in a shop and they're actually making money for their families and gaining a skill at the same time. I think the SDF, the Skills Development Fund, yes, it will help and it will excite people to get into the automotive and the current people, it will kind of retain them, keep them excited that, hey, EV is really cool. The reviews that we're getting from the SDF, the two programs, phenomenal. These shops are closing down their, uh, their businesses for three days, two or three days, completely closing and bringing all of their employees over. So, yeah, I do believe that the SDF, the two programs, uh, they are a step in the right direction. That's great. So what does the program and trades in general look like for getting more women into our industry? So that uh, they are women in the industry, believe it or not, they're actually doing a lot of them that I know are doing a lot better than the males that are in the industry. <laughs> so the ones that do show up, they they really thrive in the auto industry. What's what's uh, what should be done in order for us to get more uh, uh, females in it would be to give them incentives. Now, there was an incentive, and I think it caught off on March 2023, where if you identified it as a female, you would get a certain amount more money uh, through your levels, through your one, two, and three. So if we brought that back and added a little more money to that as well, and what we did was we went to the high schools and we took some of those female technicians that are already in the industry and we brought them in for presentations. I think that would spark a lot of interest. I've run some other programs too uh, for the college where we took uh, grades 11 and 12 females and we kind of introduced them to the automotive field. And now a bunch of them after that, probably even an hour of class, they're like, they want to be technicians, right? So I think if we take females now though, and we get them in the high schools and we get them to present and show them, hey, this is a uh, this is a career path that where you can make very good money, you know, and uh, live off of a, live a very nice life. And that it's not just for the males, it's the female as well. And then another thing, too, I had a question asked uh, for me uh, from one of the students in grade 11, 12. They said, well, it's very dirty. I don't like it. I said, no, nowadays, when you're working on an EV, it's not dirty at all. And I, I said, I showed her my hands. I said, do these look dirty to you? <laughs> and I said, I mostly work on the computer nowadays, right? Diagnosed from looking at data pits. Majority of the diagnostics I do, I don't even get my hands dirty, to be honest. So we need to put a female figure in front of them and show them the proof that they can be an automotive service technician. So some sort of mentorship program, even with uh, yeah. email technicians and shop owners to work with others. Yeah, that's it. And so in your experience, when you see them in the classroom, uh, these women feel that they're welcome in the learning environment. I think that uh, we've moved along and where we are providing a good learning experience uh, for women uh, wanted to get the, uh, the knowledge. Yeah, so times have changed. People are a lot more respectful for women coming into the industry. I visit a lot of different repair shops and I've seen that they've made separate washrooms, they've uh, separate changing rooms for them. So people are very respectful of 
uh, woman coming into the industry. Uh, and I think another reason why they're really respectful, another uh, something that really actually makes people respect them, is that when they see that they can do the job as well as a male, or even better, <laughs> so they get a lot of respect. I saw a young lady in a Canadian tire once, and she was doing a transmission. And I had a conversation with the service manager. I'm like, oh, well, you know, her age and stuff. I was really intrigued. I was impressed. And uh, she went through the whole process and everything. And he's like, yeah, that's my transmission girl. I was like, wow, amazing. Because pulling over a transmission is not yep. a joke. It's a big job. I was very impressed. That's great. So just along the same lines, just in general, what do you see? How do you see diversity overall in the industry? And are there any barriers? So diversity uh, would be amazing. It would be great to see a lot more diversity, uh, multicultural or uh, people, you know, refugees. Now, when they come over, my experience is that the biggest barrier would be the language. Language is the biggest barrier. If they came over and they did some sort of a uh, an upgrade uh, with uh, like an English class or something like that, I think that would really help them. But let me tell you one thing, though. These individuals that come from overseas or they come from somewhere else, anything like that, they are highly skilled individuals. So we need to tap into that. We need to tap into those resources where these individuals, when they come over, I ask them to do something. Once they understand it and they're there, they fly, they flourish. So if we had some sort of proper communication with them, wow, I think we would really kind of, it will help our industry. Say, so, do I hear that your experience is probably that we have new Canadians who have the skills to be actively participating in our industry that are, may not have that opportunity because a bit of that language barrier, we're, we're having a harder time to communicate, but the reality, they're, they're as qualified as the, the best technician we're looking for uh, to get, and they may in fact be here already. Yeah, that is correct. That's exactly what I'm saying. They're as qualified or even more qualified than actual technicians that are here. That is correct. That's great. So I guess if there was a way to fast track them into uh, the employment network, that would uh, be great for our industry. Yep. 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 For sure. All right. So here's the good news is the AI Canada secured another round of funding for the skills development fund. So will you be a part of that? And what's next for you? Yeah, so I am a, uh, I'm going to be a part of that uh, again. Um, so what's going to happen is we're going to take the program and split it up into uh, two more colleges, two more Ontario colleges. And we're actually adding another component, which is uh, ADAS, Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. So it's very exciting. I'm going to be developing that curriculum as well. And we're going to be working with the other colleges to kind of keep it on a uniform platform. So everybody's kind of teaching the same thing. And uh I'm very excited. I think uh, whoever's watching this wants to show up to one of the courses. Uh, the ADAS one's going to be amazing. Uh, we're going to make it where it's very hands-on, uh, cause some faults, uh, make things happen. People are going to do diagnostics and repair. So we, uh, I'm very excited for the ADAS course. Thank you, Seif. And uh, thank you for being part of that next round of the Skills Development Fund. Uh, I know because I had the opportunity to be at one of the first, uh, I guess, presentations of certificate, the first wave of graduates in your program. And um, I know you haven't told us that, but 100% of your students stayed through the entire program and graduated. 
And when I asked them what was the one factor that made them stay through the entire program, they all pointed at you as being a great professor and someone who inspired them and get them great new skills. So glad to have you on board and hoping that the industry will support you in your next effort in the next round. So thanks again for, uh, for this great effort, uh, Safe. Um, I guess that leaves us with the one last piece of our traditional curbside chat format. And so uh, we have a few what we called rapid fire questions. So Sif has not heard those questions. So I'm gonna give it back to uh, Jason to go through those questions, uh, Jason. All right, Saif, we got five questions for you. Tell us the first thing that comes to mind and you have two minutes to answer. What was the make and model of your first car? A 1992 Honda Accord. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about working in the automotive industry? The change in technology and how fast it changes. Great. What are you terrible at but love to do anyways? Uh, welding. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the common myth about the auto care industry that you'd like to debunk? Um, that we're all a bunch of thieves, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all have clean hands too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the most memorable road trip you've ever been on, and where did you go? Uh, it would be, uh, it's kind of nearby, but I really liked it, uh, Prince Edward Island. Great. Well, Safola, thanks for taking the time to join us here today on Curbside Chat. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And to everyone out there, thanks for tuning in today. And uh, next one will be your new chairman coming up soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Well, thank you, uh, Jason. Thank you, Safe, for all the great time. And again, from all of us at AI Canada, thank you for joining today. And until next time, well, take care.